you may be, you may be standing in the presence of the Lord for the reading of God's word. <laughs> Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two. Beginning with verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, that's mind, body, soul, and spirit, righteously and godly in this present world, this wicked world, this adulterous world, this deceptive world, looking for the blessed hope, that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Oh, so just believing in him, we all believe in him. The world says all roads lead to God. We're praying to the same God and he just wants that faith. He said, I gave myself for you to redeem you from all of the transgressions and the sins To not just forgive, but to set you free. And to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so to me as a minister, Paul was writing to Titus. He said, therefore, John, Titus, ministers, speak these things. Exhort the people and rebuke with all authority. And let no man despise thee. And what that means is don't let someone's lack of love for the truth hinder you from telling it like it is. I want to speak to you this morning by the grace of God and by his mercy. And I'll ask that you pray for me as I pray for myself, as I share with you about the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Would you pray for me this morning? Lord, you know my thoughts are far off before I even think them. You know how there's a constant struggle in my mind uh, of my flaws and my failures, my rebellion, my sin that you've forgiven me of. I know nothing today between you and I, but the guilt that comes from uh, mistakes haunts uh, people like me in moments like these where you're standing on a stage talking to other people. And I thank you for a grace that's greater than that sin. And the mandate remains, even if the vessel is flawed, the mandate remains to speak the truth, to speak it boldly, to preach the word in season and out of season. And I'm asking you today for that anointing of your Holy Spirit that I could communicate with clarity and with an unction and with a simplicity that this word would go down in the fabric of our soul and change the way we think about things and change the trajectory of our eyes that we're not looking down at our feet Uh, looking at this earth. We're not looking out upon the things that are available, but we would spend our days looking up from whence our Savior will soon return. And I pray for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning, or you can remain standing for the remainder of. You know, that's why I get water, right? That's why y'all don't get no water. If anybody wants to stand an hour, or 45 minutes, hopefully not an hour. You can just raise your hand, we'll bring you a bottle of water, and you can stand with me. For the Taipei people that love 
the exegetical study, the line upon line, precept upon precept, I want to give you about five minutes, and then the rest of the sermon comes to the rest of us. Two thoughts today. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. And secondly, the God of grace that brought the salvation will also soon bring that and judgment. Let me, let me rephrase, I'm sorry. Secondly, the God of grace that bringeth salvation and judgment is soon to appear. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared and the God of grace that bringeth salvation and judgment is soon to appear. Keep your Bible open at Titus. I just want to show you these distinctives, uh, little clarifiers, and you can go home and study them. This grace, God's grace, it redeems us. Look at verse 11. For the grace of God brought salvation to us. It instructs us, verse 12. It said it teaches us. It disciplines us, teaching us, teaching us to deny uh, ungodliness and worldly lust, to live in self-denial. It directs us. Not only should you not do these things, but you should live soberly and righteously and godly. It sanctifies us. You should do these things in this present world. Well, you don't know how bad it is. Yes, we do. Christ told us how bad it would be. He told us what the last days would look like, the last hours. And whether it's in persecution or whether it's in alienation or whether it's through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. He said, this grace that appeared to you and has transformed you has given you the commandment to deny yourself and the direction to live soberly, to live godly and righteously in this generation, in this generation environment does not control the Christian. The environment, the ungodly environment, this adulterous generation controls the world because there's no pressure on the inside to keep it out. There's no sealing of the Holy Spirit. We have been hermetically sealed. Y'all remember the mason jar with the wax lid and the little, the little piece of uh, wax paper and been sealed. Not only have I been sealed with the signet ring marked, this vessel is sealed. And it is my responsibility not to take the lid off and let the world in, but to remain pure in this world. I have the capacity to float on top of what other people sink in because I'm sealed. And so are you. Okay. So it sanctifies us. It liberates us. It said that he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Sin shall not have dominion over you, the Bible says. Well, Brother Wood, I know, but this one does. No, it doesn't. No, trust me, it does. I can't break free from this one. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Well, this one has dominion over me because I done tried everything. I've tried hypnosis, acupuncture, Jenny Craig. I've done all of it. I can't get off. I've tried it. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Then explain to me why I can't break free from this. And now watch. And we even have the nerve, the ignorance, or the arrogance to throw it on God. I've asked God to take it from me. 
Well, you know how God is. Sometimes he helps and sometimes he don't. We'll put it on him. Have you ever heard people say that? And there's somebody that said it. They're just looking straight ahead. They're not looking at nobody. I even asked God to help me. Do you know what our illusion is? Our illusion and delusion is that we can, we are, because we're believers, we're supposed to be able to break free without suffering. Coming off cigarettes without suffering. The Lord just took them from me. Well, I'm glad for you. Because he, you know, the, the other, the, there are things that God removes from you and other ones, you know, there's some de- demons that you cast out and others you starve out. And you have to learn to go to Sam's and buy a dolly of peppermint, you know, and you get the dolly and bring it and just pop and pe- How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. My TT's red, but I'm doing good. I'm, I'm kind of, that wasn't in the notes, by the way. Sorry. I just, the Bible tells you that, uh, that he redeemed you from all iniquity if you have the courage and the character and the endurance to endure the tearing of your soul, the tearing of your, your flesh, the denial of your flesh, the telling it, no, you're not God. God did not, you know, well, I just, if I'm free, then why is it so hard? Because God did not free you from the pull of sin, but he freed you from the power of sin. And you can come out of anything and everything that used to be your old life. This grace, God's grace, consecrates us. Look at verse 14. It said he purified unto himself, wanting us unto himself. It transforms us. To make us a peculiar people. It used to be a troubling verse for me when I was saved. Because a lot of Christians I knew were peculiar people. They said, we are a peculiar people. I said, yes, you are. When I first got saved. I did. That's what I thought. But that word peculiar means this. Beyond usual, special, superlative. Because they are a possession. Beyond average. Beyond normal. I am redeemed. I'm not special because... Of, 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 of me in any aspect. I'm special in who possesses me. That's the possession. So it transforms us. It motivates us. Zealous of good works. Verse 14, part D. And then it singularizes us. Go back to verse 13. And this will be the main part of our message. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared to all men and it has transformed you. It has redeemed you. It has forgiven you. It has equipped you. It has enabled you. It has changed your direction. It has changed your pace. It has changed your priorities. All things, old things have passed away and he's made all things new. So the grace of God has appeared to you. But we got that part, most of us. But the other part we have reduced to a fact tucked away in a bookshelf, in a book, in a bookshelf that we no longer visit, that Jesus Christ the Lord is coming back for his people. You just, you just don't hear it. And not only is he coming back for his people, he's coming back with his people to the world. That's the day of the Lord. 
The day of the Lord. And give me just a moment to, to give you this. The day of the Lord in the Old Testament. It's a day of fury. It's a day of wrath. And who could survive? And it's always horrible. It's always mentioned horrible. And, and today, people that do not rightly divide the word of truth say the rapture is not an event because God never mentioned it in the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. Well, look, God answered that very clearly in the New Testament because he said it was a mystery. It was a mystery because he hadn't told it yet. So the day of the Lord, they said the day of the Lord is Jesus Christ coming back to the earth to judge the world. He ascends, every eye will see him, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives, it will split in half and he will consume his adversaries with the brightness of his coming and the words coming out of his mouth. That is the violent, aggressive day of the Lord. Yes, but before the revelation of Jesus Christ, there's the rapture of his people. How can I come back with him if I haven't already came up to be with him? I'm going to enjoy today whether some of y'all do or not. Y'all might leave and just, well, I don't believe that. I, I ain't going. Well, I believe you. I'm getting out of here. I'm, someone told me not too long ago, it sounds like that's just, that's just an escape theology with all the world suffering and you're just looking to escape. And I said, pretty much, yeah. Pray always that you be accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. I don't want no part of it. We are not appointed unto wrath, but unto salvation. All right. Let's talk about this blessed hope and glorious appearing. It is a promised appearing. Prophesied. When God said something, or when God says something, it's not supposed to happen. It has already happened in eternity. You just haven't seen it in time. Now, I'm not trying to sound smart because I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, pontificate some uh, or extrapolate some uh, high form of knowledge. But it has happened in eternity, but it has not been seen in time. And I can prove it to you that that's a principle. The Bible said that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. It was already done. In eternity, in the mind of God, and the heart of God, because we're not like him and we can't understand how something can happen then and be seen later, but kind of like a DVR, how can something happen then and be seen later? Just something to think about. So this, this event has not only been promised in the mind and heart of God, it's, it's happened in the truest sense of the word. Has it happened? No. But has it happened? Yes. It cannot be changed. I can prove it to you again in scripture. The Bible says you are seated, not shall be. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Where are you sitting today? Christ Chapel Macon. Trust me, these chairs ain't going to be in heaven. These, <laughs> these hard rascals here. That's, we, we're going to have some good ones in heaven. So what does he say? What's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying is, as real as this world is, you need to know that the one I speak of, the kingdom I speak of, is more real. This one vanishes away. The next one shall be forever and ever and ever. It's a promise. It's not just a promise. It's a fact. Give you one more. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified... He sanctified, and those that he sanctified, he glorified. 
Past tense. Are you glorified? Look at your spouse. Do they look glorified? Now, don't say nothing. Glorified. We shall receive our glorified body. In the mind of God, what he wants you to know is the things that I say over you. When I tell you your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And then I tell you I'm going away, what my sister said. And I'm coming again to receive you unto myself that where I am you will be also. It's a done deal, baby. It's happening. It will happen. Letter B. It is a scheduled appearing. Well, Brother Wood, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. Not even Jesus. Time out, time out. Jesus doesn't know the day. When Jesus walked the earth, the God-man, and this is still a mystery. We know what we know, but we don't know it all. We don't, how can I comprehend God taking upon himself the form of an embryo in the womb of a woman, being altogether God and altogether man, and nursing at the breast of a woman that he made. I, I, no, I, I, I can't comprehend all there is to know of that. But Jesus was all God and all man. But the Bible tells us that when the fullness of time had come, the fullness of time had come, which means at just the right moment, at just, on just the right day, at just the right hour, at just the right second, her last contraction happened and she pushed from her womb the Son of God. When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons and because we've been adopted now, we are now His children. There was a schedule. It just so happened to be when the taxing was taking place because you had to get Mary and Joseph back over here so that you could fulfill the prophecies of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And isn't it funny that the bread of life was born in the house of bread and all these components coming together. And you need to understand that man, devil, preacher, apostle, bishop, cardinal, pope, Uh, scoffers, no one can change the fact that God has a schedule and he's on schedule. (laughs) It's it's schedule. Oh, God, I wish it was today. Oh, listen, you hooked me up to a lie detector test. John Wood, do you know any man that has a better life than you? No. And I would pass the test. John Wood, do you deserve any blessings that you have in your life? No. He's telling the truth. John Wood, are you ready for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. I long to see him. I long to be home. I long to be out of this world that grieves me and pulls and tears. I want to be away from those that hate him and mock him and scoff him. I want to be among those of like precious faith. I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I want to not just worship him in spirit and in truth, but by sight. I want to put my hands in the, in his, in the holes and I want to see him. And I want to be able to have eternity to catch up with not only uh, all the Old Testament saints, We have eternity. Sit sit down with Moses. Moses, how mad were you with those people? You know, ask him those questions. 
to sit down and hear the stories, to sit down and tell my dad about the ministry and tell my dad about my, my wife and my babies and to tell my dad that I got to pastor, to do all of those things. The blessed hope. Man, the church has lost the awe, the animation, the expectation, the thrill, the desire, because for us, it's something, it's an historical fact, maybe kind of, we're not sure how it's going to play out, but because we're so busy, we just don't talk about it. And that's one of the reasons we are joyless. And that's one of the reasons that we are in, in life so discontent. Paul tells you, if you have hope in this life only, if your focus is in this life only, you're of all people most miserable. So what do we do? Terry, we got a business. We got to do the carpet, man. We got to install the tile. We got to, oh, I wish I had my own business. It must be nice. Start you one. Start you one. We still got bills. We still got disappointments. We got jobs we have to redo. We have school for the kids. Our bodies are all, all of those things. The dilemma, the, the, the difficulty, I should say, is to work here and live there and look there and long there and thank the Lord for every gain and every loss here. If I were to ask you today, no one answered. Is it at the forefront? That's all right. I look better in the dark. <laughs> hey, that's why all the nightclubs are dark, <laughs> you know. How long you been coming here? You sure are pretty. But now we do have a problem because I can't see. But no good. I got enough light. There's light where they're supposed to be. Thank you, Lord. All right. It just rebooted, by the way. There's a special place in hell for all sound equipment. It's just going to go... <laughs> Even the best of stuff. All right. It is an, letter C, it is an earnestly sought and prayerful appearing. Guys, can you put this on the screen for me? The second Thessalonians. Oh Lord, is, is it up there? I can't read it. Someone stand up loud and read that for me out here and turn this way. Who, who'll do it for me? Who loves me enough? Thank you, sis. Recompense. Keep, keep reading. It's coming. To verse 11. <laughs> this is a really sobering verse, and y'all are laughing. People dying, getting wiped off the map. Okay.
The reason I didn't print that is because I tried to have it all on one page and I didn't have room to, to get it on there. So thank you. Thank you. I know who loves me. And we pray always, he said. We pray always. We seek it. We look at, we pray for one another. That we be ready. That we not be a part of this destruction that's coming. And this relative gospel, this economical lie, this heresy, that God is not a God of judgment. If God spared not the world and destroyed it in Noah's day, and spared not Sodom and Gomorrah, spared not the angels, and he speaks of coming with great destruction, treading the winepress of his wrath. He arrives on a horse, and on his robe is written, faithful and true, and it's stained in blood. The blood will be so high. Well, no, your God sounds like my devil. God is love. Love wins. No, truth wins. Truth wins. But this, this blessed hope and glorious appearing for us is supposed to be a constant matter of prayer for us. God, I pray that I'm accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of your wrath. God, I'm asking you to come soon. God, I want to be in the number. I want you to know I'm thinking about it. God, I want you to know I'm looking forward to it. It's, this appearing is not going to be a surprise to true believers. It's what they've been asking for. It will, for the most part, letter D, be an unexpected appearing. Be ready, Matthew 24 says, because an hour when you think, uh, think not, the Son of Man will come. Well, Brother Wood, that's talking about the, 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 the second coming. Can't be. Jesus was hinting at a mystery that had not been revealed yet. Well, how do you know? Because it says in an hour when you think not, the Son of Man cometh. You'll be able to know exactly Uh, When the second advent happens, because once the abomination of desolation happens in the temple of God, where the Antichrist, a geopolitical figure imitating Christ, stands and says, I am God Almighty. And all of this one world religion, meaning all the religions bleed into one, he changes that and says, I'm God, I'm to be worshipped. No man will be able to buy or sell without taking the mark in his hand or head, and we don't know what that mark is. From three and a half years to that day... Christ comes back to the earth. And if a good man had known the hour when the thief was coming to his house, uh, we've got guys in our church here that love guns. They're packing today. Y'all don't know who they are. Some of them love guns way too much. And what, and secretly, they kind of wish someone would come on the property. I'm not saying they want to take them out. I just, I'm not saying they want to kill, but I think they just would like to be able to, you know, there's two sounds in the world that'll make you relieve yourself unwillingly. (laughs) The roar of a lion and that right there. Okay. But the Bible says that had the man known when the thief was coming, he would have prepared for it. So be ready because in an hour and when you think not, the Lord comes. So when he comes for us, what's, what's the, why the fear, John? That we wouldn't be ashamed. That we wouldn't be regretful. That we wouldn't be unprepared. For the most part, the first appearing will be unexpected. 
the second appearing will be expected. There will be enough people left, enough scholars, enough Orthodox Jews that will do the math. and they'll t- Daniel gives you the exact number of days. It's not mystical. It counts the days. I forgot what it was, 1,300-something. It's three and a half years to the day that Christ comes back. This blessed hope is going to be an instantaneous, joyful, anticipated, and glorious appearing at the twinkling of an eye. And that doesn't mean blink. It means as fast as light can reflect off your eye, he's coming for the church. Gone. Vanished. This is the difference, one of the differences between the rapture and the revelation. There's no mention of them seeing us leave. But when he comes back with the saints, every eye will behold him. Be unannounced. Spontaneous. Instantaneous. In this world, gone from this world. Now, we're not going to go ahead of those that have died. There will be some type of delay. And I, I, I don't, you know, only God understands the time. But those that have died in Christ first uh, shall rise. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Instantaneous. Several years ago, I was in the room of a lady named Grace Atkins who had been in a coma. Uh, her, I forgot what all she had, but her body had deteriorated. And she was unresponsive to anything and everything. No stimuli, no hearing, no verbal communication, no movement, nothing. Just a stone. And we would go, my pastor Carrie and I, and you know, uh, we'd read scripture to her and sing hymns. I usually did the reading. He did the singing. And we'd minister to her. And God is my witness as I raise my hand to him. God is my witness this happened. This lady ain't moved in however long, weeks or months, I don't remember. And we're singing and praying and we're just going to go do, just minister to her and leave. And she shot up in that bed like someone had put battery terminals on her ears and shocked her. You know, like one of those paddles. Clear. Boom. She sat up. She goes, oh, beautiful. And I see the son at the right hand of the father and died. When it happened, I immediately My response was, I fell face forward. I was afraid in a good, the fear of the Lord and his glory was so great. I was afraid. It was like walking in, in someone's bedroom, you know, that it's none of my business. This had, this had nothing to do with me. And I just hid my face at the glory of that moment. And I later reflectively thinking about it that quickly as her spirit began to leave her body. The glory was so great that this immobile, immobile, unfunctioning, decomposing, if you will, already beginning the rotting process, the synapses had stopped, everything stopped. It shot so much life into her that she was more alive than she was at a teenager and she articulated the beauty of the next realm. Just... So one day we are going to be walking with God like Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So he'd be like Enoch. You know, of course God doesn't hold our hand, but I'm giving you a visual. You know, how's life, buddy? 
talking about the wife and talking about the babies and, you know, how's your leg doing? We're just talking about life. How you doing with the Lord? Tell him how you feel, what's going on. He said, Enoch, how long have we been walking together? And now, this isn't recorded, but the Bible said he walked with God, which means he did life with God. God Almighty, about long as I can remember. It's been a long time, hasn't it, buddy? We've walked through some stuff, haven't we? Maybe he buried his children. No man should have to watch his babies die before he dies. Maybe he lost his wife. Maybe he lost his eyesight. You don't know. It's been a long walk, ain't it, buddy? Yeah. Enoch, it's now closer to my house than it is yours. Let's go home. And he's gone. King James says he was not. He was and he was not. For God took him. Do you understand? You could be on 16 tomorrow. You could be at the table feeding your children the 3,400th bowl of Kraft macaroni cheese. <laughs> you could be working out, praying that the Lord comes. You could be at the gym, pray, just, and then gone. What? Do you understand if the devil can't stop the event, he can keep you from the glory and the peace and the power and the expectation of it? In a moment, and tw- faster than light can reflect off my eye, I'm out of here. I-, I feel today like a hot air balloon tethered. You know, they got all those ropes, and I, I was scheduled to ride in a hot air balloon one time, and unforeseen circumstances, I wasn't able to ride in it. Uh, and they got all them ropes, and my first thought, you know, is once you get in, you know, when you're young, you just hop in. Your first thought when you're old is, how am I getting my leg over that rail? That's the, that's, when you get in, there's all these ropes, all these ropes. You know what you're doing as your Christian life? The older you get, the Lord is allowing you the privilege to cut the ropes. These are possessions. These are dreams. These are hurts. And these are sorrows. These, and I feel today like I got one little rope. And some days when the wind blows, I wonder if it's going to snap. I want for this church, I want the hope of heaven to be so real in you and so strong and so certain that it fill your life with joy and expectancy where you can with integrity say to yourself in the morning, instead of writing on your bathroom men, mirror, today's going to be a great day or you're marvelous or you're amazing. To, you could write, today could be the day. Anybody else feel what I feel in this morning? I'm out of time, too much to go. It is a prepared and unprepared appearing. There are people with empty lamps of oil and those with full lamps of oil. Some of you aren't ready. If you study the parable of the ten virgins and you can spiritualize it all you want, when the bridegroom came, they were not ready to come to the wedding. Oh, well, Brother Wood, everyone goes. How so? Well, you can't divide the body of Christ. How absurd is that? We're divided now. 
How many of you got family in heaven? We're divided now. There will be those ready, those that aren't ready. Some will be allowed in, the others will be on the other side of the door. What all does that mean? Your pastor, regretfully, is not a theologian. I don't understand all the implications of it. But I know this. I know that I am to be looking unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Hebrews 9.27. That would imply that if I was not looking for him, he would not appear for me in the same way. There's no other way to read that. I believe you. I love you. It is going to be an unwelcome appearing. When the rapture takes place, there are many theories I can get to later. Uh, but what your pastor believes, and please don't write me off, I believe with the last 50 years of predictive programming and uh, getting you used to something to happen, that there will be something presented as alien, but it won't be alien. It'll be interdimensional. It'll be an angels, fallen angels, appearing in the form of men, and they'll explain away. This is theory. It's not Bible. Everybody look. Don't write me tomorrow. It's theory. I believe that they'll explain it away that everyone that was in the way that was hindering this new age of acceptance and love and utopia that they've been taken away and they could say and you know some of the religious writings you remember how you Christians believed that God took the world away because they were evil well if God did that one day couldn't he do it today to prepare a way for a, a reboot you see so it will be an unwelcome, but it would be, it'll be explained away. It's unwelcomed because it's mocked today. It's maligned. It's scoffed and ridiculed. And I'm telling you, I love. Jesus said, jump for joy when you're persecuted for my namesake, for great is your reward in heaven. I love it when they ask me about the rapture. I love it. Or for Christ coming for the church or whatever term you want to put on it. So you really believe that Jesus Christ is going to descend from heaven and, and then all of the dead people are going to rise up and be changed and then you're going to rise up and be changed and meet with him? I said, absolutely. I tell him, absolutely. And the old preacher said, you know, you can call me crazy. You can call me bananas. You can call me ignorant. You can call me dull and naive. But when he comes, call me gone because I'm out of here. Ben, if you would come, please. It's going to be a globally disruptive appearing. The rapture of the church is going to be very disruptive, but it's going to usher in, listen, three and a half years of peace. The Antichrist is going to step in on the scene and with no godly influence in the life of the church, the Holy Spirit will not be removed from the earth because if that were so, no one could ever be saved during the tribulation. But with the church gone, we can all be in agreement that everybody's great, everybody's right, and it'll usher in a season of great peace. But when they cry, peace, peace, then sudden destruction shall come upon them like travail on a woman. And that's when the great tribulation happens. The tribulation begins at uh, the signing of the covenant. Of, of peace with many and the great tribulation begins at the abomination of desolation but it's going to be globally disruptive both of them will be it will be a, a rewarding appearing 
Revelation 22:12 says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Do you understand when he comes, there's going to be a revealing and an unveiling that you are who you say you are. The, the, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knows who are his. I know I'm a son of God. But in that day, everyone will know. Angels will know. Demons will know. The world will know. And his reward is with him. To give every man according as his work shall be. So that also implies that if there was no life of work, then there'll be no reward for the work not done. Well, brother, what I believe in grace. Well, I do too. Grace is what God did for me. Works is what I do for God. I'm not working for salvation. I'm working from salvation. It'll be an inescapable appearing. When he cometh with the clouds, this is the second coming, Revelation 1-7, every eye will see him, and they which pierced him, all kindreds of the earth will wail because of him. It will be a merciless appearing. When he comes as a judge, the Bible says that the great and mighty men, the wealthy, the nobles, the government officials, they will scream and cry for the mountains and rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who will be able to stand? The second coming will be a merciless appearing. He will judge them in fury and great wrath. And so the lie of this age, that that's the God of the Old Testament. He's the Lord. He changeth not. He longs that all should be saved and come to repentance and that none should perish. But those that reject his son, those that distort his son, those that dilute his son, misrepresent his son, uh, deny his son, there's no room. There's no room for anything but wrath and judgment. And the crucifixion is the evidence of my guilt because that's the beating that I would have took, that wrath, those stripes, that pulling of the beard, the pressing of the thorns, the spitting, the kicking, the nailing, the crucifixion. That happened to him because he became sin for me. It will be a time like no other. The Bible said, unless the Lord shorten the days, no living person would be left. We're in a generation today where the Bible, where people teach, pastors do, there's no hell. There's no judgment. There's no judgment like this. There's no hell. And Jesus said, and whoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast alive into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and ever. It will also be a victorious appearing. When Christ appears, it says that he will destroy the Antichrist, the wicked one, with the consume him with the spirit of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. One pulse and he's just gone, just vaporized, just uh, the physical part of him. It will be a peace ushering experience and usher in 1,000 years after all of the great tribulation and heaven comes to earth and Jesus reigns from Jerusalem because he was he chose to be 
born as a Jew, all God, all God, oh man, a thousand years of peace. All the curse, no, all the curse gone from the earth. The dead sea will become alive again and everywhere the water goes from the throne of God heals waters. And the Bible says that health will be as such that a child will live to be a hundred years old. So this glorious appearing ushers in a time of, of great health and hope and healing. But for some, and I know I've went a little long today and I'm sorry, but this is critical. For some in this room, it is an undesired appearing because you love the world more than you love God. You love your natural life more than your spiritual life. You may love his, you may love pleasure more than his presence and temporal things over eternal things. And because you love this world more than you love God, that's the evidence that you will stay with the world because where your heart is, your treasure is. May I read this to you? Hebrews 3. Therefore, brethren, take care, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief which refuses to cleave to, to trust in and rely on Jesus, leading you to turn or leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God, but instead admonish, urge, and encourage one another every day. Y'all encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you might be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ and share in all that he has for us. If we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end. Well, I know I'm saved. I don't care what you say. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end, how could I be His and not want to be with Him? So Pastor John, what's the purpose of the day? Why are you preaching this? Are you trying to preach a premillennial rapture? Nope, that's not the point of the message. Whether He comes before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation, He's coming for me but I firmly believe that no one that doesn't want to go isn't going are you longing are you looking are you praying are you preparing preparing how tethered are you to this world How hard is your heart through the deceitfulness of sin? How tuned in to the frequency are you? You know, like how you drive on the road and you're trying to tune in digitally and you're at 90, I don't even listen to the radio, but 92.1 and you go to 92.3 and it's not right and you back up one and you're in between. When the rapture comes, I... When the Lord comes for his church, I, I, want, I want you to be so in tuned when the voice of the archangel, that's it. Thank you. You're, you're ready. You're ready. 
No one is going to be surprised. Oh, look at here. I made it. No one's going to be surprised. Your pastor believes that the Lord has delayed his coming just so people can make it in. I'm working. If and when we sell this church, Lord, please, please, we're going to build. But I doubt we'll be here. We may. We may. Paul believed in his day that he'd see the Lord. I want you ready. Whatever you got to do. And if you'll give me 60 seconds, I'll close with this. Whatever you got to do. No one else can do it for you. And God will not do it for you. You got to plow your heart. You got to dig it out and say, is there anything in me? Is there any part of me? Love Because if I love the world, I love not God. I, I, can't love the, I can't love the world and love the Lord. I can't. Would it rend your heart, not your garments. And to be ready doesn't mean mature or all the way perfect. It just means ready. What's the most productive day of your work year? What's the most productive week of your work year? I'm going to leave you with a funny. The week before vacation. Baby, volume, we got productivity. Ooh, desk is cleared, stacks gone, stuff filed. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Three. You ain't worked that hard in seven years. You're ready to go. You're ready to go. Get ready. Because the, the trump is at the mouth of the archangel. We're going home. Father, I just love you today. I pray over these people that you love so dearly. I pray for myself, oh God, that I and we be accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. Give us spiritual vision. Give us spiritual passion. Give us spiritual perspective and the character and the courage to make the decisions necessary to make our heart exclusively yours. May not one person at Christ Chapel miss the blessed hope and the glorious appearing, the scheduled return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. See you tonight at 6, 5 o'clock prayer.